Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and tonight, joining me is... I am Ben Young. Ahoy, it's Bill Jarvis. And that's all we got tonight, um, which is not a bad thing. Never a bad thing. And tonight we are talking about the CBS All Access original series, Lower Decks. Lower Decks uh, was created by Mike McMahon, who, uh, in case you guys don't know, is also one of the original writers for Rick and Morty. Uh, starring Tawny Newsom, Jack Quaid, Noel Wells, Eugene Cadero, Don Lewis, Jerry O'Connell, which I didn't know that until like the third episode, and I was like, oh my fucking god, that's Jerry O'Connell. And then after that, uh, we have Fred uh, Tedeschiori and Jillian Figman. Tedeschiori. 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 Well, you heard it here first. Fred Tedeschiori. He got the Tedeschiori in his meatball. There it goes. There goes the Italians. Okay. Okay. You know what? We haven't, we haven't done that yet. So they joined. They joined the bad guys in the forties. Uh, we don't care. Oh, okay, got it. Oh, All right, let's keep well. this rolling. All right, let's <laughs> roll right past that. Sorry, over. Technically, they were part of the Central Powers in World War One too, but they flipped sides when they saw who was winning. Wow. So do we really care about people like that? So there was no. a World War One too. Like there was a second part. Like yes, yeah, World War Two and then World War Two. Part one. Part one. Part <laughs> one. Oh, so it's like Breaking Dawn. Like, they split it into two. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, it's like, it's like First Blood and First Blood Part Two. No, Breaking Dawn. Got it. That's where I go. It, 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 was, it was a gigantic money grab. Got it. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I don't know how we got on this topic, but lower fucking decks. Yeah. Hey. Uh, God, this fucking show is fantastic. Before we get into it, though, Ben, what is this show about? Ensign Beckett Mariner is transferred to the lower decks of the USS Cerritos, a ship tasked with making second contact with alien civilizations. Befriending Ensigns Brad Boimler, Devana Tendi, and Samantha Rutherford, the crew of the Cerritos find themselves in ever wackier situations, all while Mariner butts heads with her mother, Captain Carol Freeman. <laughs> Lower decks, <laughs> and then and hilarity ensues. There you go. Hilarity ensues. That's, that is actually uh, part of the. Uh, that's actually part of the writing process. That's what they usually just write script. They just say hilarity ensues. So <laughs> that's comedy. But no, writing. so so for me, this fucking show is fantastic. No, this fucking show, like, I feel like every three to four seconds is just plugging a Star Trek Easter egg in there to make all the Trekkies go. (laughs) (laughs) But what I love about this show is I watched it with Caroline, who doesn't really know too much about Star Trek, who enjoyed it the entire time as well. So that's what I was about to say is like, it's funny in its own right. So if you're someone who's like listening to this and is like, I'm not a big Trekkie person. That's fine. It's very funny. Like it's and most importantly, not just funny, but like the characters are, for an animated show, the characters are written very well. Mm-hmm. 
I enjoyed it. I had a I had a really fun time, and I it didn't feel you know sometimes with like especially with sh- with when we do shows for the podcast, it can be a bit of a drag because it's less me enjoying watching for my own enjoyment and more me watching for work. Right. Uh, but this wasn't a drag. It really just I blew right through it. You know, ten half hour episodes set felt like nothing, and uh, I was sad when it was over. It was. There's a lot. There's a lot to to talk about. There's a lot to look forward to as well. So, yeah, Bill, what was your impressions about it? Uh, I mean, I really it was enjoyable. That's I mean, that's just like the number one thing is that like it was something that it, it's like you guys were saying. It's something that you could just pick up and go. You didn't really have to be a huge like gigantic Star Trek fan to really get into it. So it was it was nice. It was accessible, especially for someone like me that's not like I'm I, I like Star Trek. I'm just not a huge like fanatic about it. I, I I've never watched that much Star Trek. So it was nice. And I'd say that my favorite part was probably the last episode. But we'll get oh, into yeah. that. We'll get into that. I'm really thankful I have friends like you, Colin, and like Mihao, and even Bill to an extent. I know you said you don't watch a lot of Star Trek, but I've learned Star Trek stuff from you um, because that the whole Q segment, because Q, I know about Q because everyone always talks about Q. Everything with Q, I was crying. I was like, this is the funniest shit. (laughs) They had him in in chess pieces staring down a deck of cards and a soccer ball rolls across the field. And they're like, oh, we're we're playing soccer. And it sprouts arms and legs. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. That was very funny. And Mm -hmm. it was funny in its own right, once again. But knowing, like, the whole concept behind, like, Q being this weirdo that sends Picard through these really bizarre episodes was just mm-hmm. it was great yeah and it occurred to beyond picard it was q would do it to basically everyone in every series oh yeah. that happened from I didn't know you that. Know, late 80s on to well basically just that voyager and ds9 yeah he was so it's not there. even unreasonable then that he was terrorizing the cerritos also in that case right <laughs> but usually it's uh Usually it's uh, extraordinary people like Picard, Cisco, and um, what's her name, Janeway. Um, but in this case, they're not extraordinary people, so it, it makes it funnier. <laughs> but uh, oh man, there was another one that fucking had me dying. Was the the Star Trek movie episode when they made uh-huh. fun of not only just the J.J. Abrams stuff, but even all the original like the original <laughs> series movies. Oh my god! I love I lo- oh my god! This is such a little thing, but um, I'm sorry, I'm bad with characters' names. Um, but the uh, number one, I forget his name. Ransom. 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 When Ransom. What? <laughs> this is just the first episode, like the first segment in the first episode. The fact that he does like the um, classic Captain Kirk terrible fighting style, but it winds up being badass. I love that whole just like that's like an Easter egg in itself. The fact that he like takes both hands and like oh, like and if you don't know, like look up terrible like Captain Kirk fight scene and you'll find out what I'm talking about. This is a lot of karate chops and a lot of throwing his double fists. Into super slow. Ripped yeah. his shirt off right away. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even bother with trying to lose it. He's just like, nope, we're losing it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, man. There, there are so many Easter eggs in this show that you could literally do an entire 
series of podcasts on it. I had to do my research with one Easter egg, which was at the end of like the third or so episode. Sorry, I, I was like, I'm going to have an episode list up so that I can like reference it easily. And then I didn't get an episode list up. So stand by as I pull it up. Uh, it was the episode um, Temporal Edict, the third episode where uh, they they give Brad his own uh, rule at the end, the Boimler effect. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's there like, oh, no one will remember it. Don't worry about it. And it flashes forward 100 years. And it's like, and that's why we remember the most important rule. And then it goes, anyway, now on to something more important. The most important character in Starfleet, Chief, uh, Chief Engineer Miles O'Brien. And I was like, that's funny. I wonder what what is his deal? And I went on to like a deep rabbit hole of research on Miles O'Brien. <laughs> Which is the most amazing thing you could have ever said to me. Um, oh yeah, and I like I I can't I can't give you details. I can't spit details back on what I learned, but I was like at the end of my my little wormhole, I like looked up and I was like that was a very funny joke. It's very good. <laughs> so I, I want you I want I'm just going to say this I'm going to plug this in here. There is a website called chiefobrienatwork.com. It's literally just chiefobrienatwork.com and it's just a series of comic strips that this person does about Chief O'Brien at work. And sometimes they are the dumbest thing you'll ever read in your life and sometimes they're quite brilliant. <laughs> um, and he does more than just Chief O'Brien, but it started with Chief O'Brien. Oh my God, is it fantastic? Look that up when you get a chance. But, anyways, yes, that is amazingly funny. I think the really cool thing about this show, though, like as as funny as it is, and like we talk about how like it's got its Easter eggs, it parodies Star Trek, all that shit. Like it, it also it is. I don't know. I I don't. Once again, I don't watch a ton of Star Trek, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But, like, it reminds us that there's, like, real people in the future still. Where, like, I feel like a lot of what Star Trek is, it's like, well, you know, we're perfect now. We live in a sci-fi utopia, and we are all refined, and we're all on vineyards, and we all drink wine, and we all know Shakespeare. And it's like, no, we don't. We don't all know Shakespeare. We're just, we are all, like... You know, there are many of us are just the the losers down below who are having fun and keeping the ship alive while the rest of the assholes upstairs have their crazy adventures. We're down here keeping it all together. And I like that. I like that take. I like that perspective. Well, that, that's exactly what it is. And that's um, I believe that's taken from season seven of TNG. I think it's season seven. If anyone who's a Star Trek fan is listening and knows better, correct me. Um, but there is an episode called Lower Decks, and it's about the people who are not on the bridge. It's not about this main core group of officers. It's all about those people that are just doing support roles on the ship, and I think it's brilliant. It's the perfect setting for a show like this. Mm-hmm. It's Honestly, it's what Star Trek kind of needs right now. Yeah, it, it brings it, it, it grounds the show more and makes it more accessible to a wider audience, I feel like, in many ways. No longer is is Star Trek strictly restricted to highbrow, smart sci-fi. It can also be very stupid potty humor. <laughs> and 
which but is they do it fine they, which is and they do fine. it in a way that's never like i never go like well this doesn't and i i don't know i'm not like a diehard trekkie so like maybe they're gonna be like no you're wrong but like it doesn't ever feel like this isn't star trek still like it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. i don't know the like I, I think of like family guy parodies on star trek and like it's very obvious that like he he is he I don't want to I don't want to reference the Orville because the Orville is his own thing, but like I think of like whenever he does cutaway gags to to Star Trek, which he does a lot of in Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane, um, it, it it even those don't feel like Star Trek; they feel like parody. This feels like Star Trek more than it feels like parody or comedy or anything. I mean, one hundred percent is Star Trek. At the end of the day, they're still tackling problems like you would in star trek i guess in a way mm-hmm. or at least the conclusion they're coming to is still very star trekky mm-hmm. um, no i i absolutely agree i think that um a lot of it it feels like star trek but like you guys were saying earlier the human side of it you know the different sort of uh psyche which is the sarcastic sense of humor the you know like the smart comedy you know i feel like i feel like there is some potty humor but it's like very like it's very like archer-esque in a lot of ways where it's like nuance and you're like oh okay i see what you did there you know it's like it's um you know, a lot of it is very tongue in cheek. And I just I know I I just appreciate the sense of humor that it brought to and but also enjoyed it as a Star Trek property at the same time. It kind of like because it felt like it, the the feeling I get from Star Trek a lot of times, like especially with like TNG and stuff like that, I always felt like it was very um it's very dry, straightforward, sort of like, you know, it's like this perfect this sort of perfect civilization in the future that, you know, we've solved all problems with race, religion, war, whatever, and uh, within our civilization. And so it's like kind of like, well, you don't really need sarcasm to deal with, you know, agony sort of thing. So you don't really need this, you know, tongue in cheek sense of humor all the time. And it's just like it brings that back into the universe, which is really, really nice. And, and really, that's reality to me. It makes it very, very real. And so it's like it feels like a very, very real Star Trek. So one of the reasons I appreciate this show so much is the latest Star Trek shows and uh, I mean, Discovery and Picard, they're making a point to show that the future isn't as beautiful as we thought it was in the 90s and the late 80s. They're they're making a point to say that the problems we're facing now could still potentially be there in the future. And this show, I don't know, it's kind of just like takes a step back and I, I think in some way allows you to appreciate I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's it just it's a breath of, breath of fresh air compared to Picard and Discovery because they're hitting it so hard that this one doesn't. This one feels more like TNG than those do. That makes any sense. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean by that. Um, just because it's more just like problem of the week, episode of the week. I don't know. That's what I enjoyed about it. Absolutely. You know this. Uh, is- I think of all the Star Trek properties, TNG is what I'm most exposed to. Mm. We talked about uh, on Picard how my mother was a big TNG Trekkie. She's a big original series Trekkie as well, but like really, really into TNG. So like, I was which is funny is because <laughs> your mother is so conservative. <laughs> that show is nothing but liberal porn. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, she's she's got that blind spot. She really yeah. does. And I think a lot of conservative Trekkies do. They don't and and this is this is a thing. Uh this is this worth is a talking about. This is a very true thing. Yep. This is very this true. This is worth thing. talking about actually. Um I would I would watch TV with my parents, especially Lost. I think Lost is kind of like the first television show my parents and I would sit down to watch together. And at, at every commercial break, at the end of every episode, I would want to talk and analyze and discuss what we just witnessed. And my mom and dad's uh, response would always be, it's a TV show. I don't, I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. It's just a TV show. It's just entertainment. And that's, you know, so they'll consume, they consume a ton of liberal media. They consume a ton of it. But it's just a TV show. It's just entertainment. It's not realistic. And that's like how they how they talk away all those things. And then if something gets too preachy, well now not it's now it's this is supposed to be entertainment. Why are we why am I we getting Yeah, now it's just this? supporting the liberal agenda or something. Yes. Yeah. So so that that's that's something many people do. And so if anyone ever tries to tell you that something is just a TV show or just entertainment, uh promptly smack them in the face because uh art is not that and all of this is art even when it's potty humor it's art so i mean i feel like we could look at game of thrones and say that though it's just a tv show no there's still a very valid thesis in game of thrones i'm kidding kidding. which the thesis is democracy is dumb let's bring back monarchies (sighs) hell yeah honey honey, you ain't kidding (laughs) you ain't kidding um. Oh fuck! Ow! Oh, I was gonna point out some of my favorite episodes. That's what I was going to do. Let's do it. Let's go. So first off, the I already mentioned it before, but the the episode where it's what was it called? Was it Crisis Point? That was the one yes. with all the uh, the movies. Yes. Right away, as soon as they get into movie mode, <laughs> just the fucking lens flares and it's randomly. I'm like, oh my god! Everywhere. This is 100% so J.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, oh my god! To a fault, it, it was perfect. And but even at the end, when like or when the credits are like rolling up, but they're like dodging out of the fucking way and stuff. <laughs> yes. That oh my god! It was. Uh... I felt it was like a good critique of, and I've I like the Star Trek movies, but I I know why like some people don't, and I get I, even if people like them, there's still plenty to criticize about it, and and that was really and when the <laughs> when the Cerrito crashes and then just rolls like a wheel and then hits a mountain in this like big extravagant crash. I was like, oh my god, like, that is so, that is so on point. Like, it, it, things just escalate from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. immediately, and suddenly mm-hmm. this thing is just on the ground. It was great. It was wonderful. Right, because, yeah, they destroyed the Cerritos, right? It oh, crashes. yeah, no, it gets, it, yeah. They, it blows up, I believe. That, the that's end the of running it. joke is, you know, so many enterprises have been destroyed for no fucking reason other than <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's dramatic. <laughs> 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 Um, so yeah, that's the same thing. Oh my god. Fuck, I just remembered how much I love the episode 10. I'm sorry. Um, episode 10's the big one. Episode, episode 10, 10, there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. I just want to talk about my favorite part of it. <laughs> I wonder which one. It just happens to be when the USS Titan shows up. <laughs> Weird. 
Yeah, when didn't see will, that coming. When will Riker comes in? Is yeah. That, oh, yeah. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So, so no. Uh, the USS Titan has been mentioned so many times in books and in comic books, but it's never appeared on screen before because it happens after, you know, the TNG movie stopped, which we haven't seen anything after that point until now. That wasn't and, the Titan in Picard, right? No. That he no. shows up in. No, he's retired at that point. Got it. Uh, this is this is in between uh, TNG and Picard, essentially. Okay, so yeah, this is so then this is the first one. That's awesome. So yeah, and they actually got uh, Jonathan Frakes and uh, Marina Sirtis uh, to come back and voice their characters, and it was perfect. It was perfect, and I can't wait till season two because God damn it, you know we're gonna get more uh, Will Riker action. You know it wasn't even hard for them either. Well, he's so in- Will Riker. I'm sorry, Will I know. Riker. Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes is so involved with Star Trek. He directs at least two or three episodes in every show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm Discovery saying. Discovery like, and Picard, like he's there. So. This was nothing to him. They were just like, they were like, hey, could you? Uh, and he's, hey, could you Star Wars or Star Trek? And he's like, yes, I will Star Trek. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, ran over there. He's even directed a couple of the the Star Trek movies. I, I didn't know he, he did, movies. He did. I think he did Insurrection and Nemesis. Wow. Cool. I think. Yeah. He's, the last he seems. Star Trek. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. If there's one person from Star Trek that I would want to meet besides Patrick Stewart, it would probably be Jonathan Frakes. Absolutely. What? Uh, I know this is the 2280s. Do I have the right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the Picard? Yeah. 20, 2380. 2380s. Sorry. What is Picard? Was that 23 late 2390s? Uh, I actually have my timeline up right now. Ooh. Oh no, I lost my timeline. Uh, yeah, but hang on, I, I'll find I love it. The references though, I love the like. It's the 80s. We don't need psychiatric help anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What is this? The sixties with Captain Kirk? <laughs> uh, the twenty-two sixties on top of all of uh-huh. that. Um, Pic- oh, Picard takes place in twenty-three ninety-nine. Twenty-three ninety-nine. Got it. So nineteen years after this, God. Picard is retired at this point, I believe. Yes. Uh, might not be. Uh, well, next generation movies go until 79, 2379. Right, but Picard goes for a while after that as an admiral. Oh, that's right. You're correct. I, so that's, he probably is an admiral right now. Though. I had no idea about the timeline here. So Kirk was 2260s, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. I was talking to Colin about that before we got on, actually, because I never knew that either. Yeah. years? Yet. So, oh. so if you guys if you guys watch... If you guys watch the uh, the first episode of Star Trek TNG, um, Bones, and it's actually got DeForest Kelly to show up and play Bones on that episode, and they put like all the old guy prosthetic makeup on him, and he's supposed to be a guy that's well over 100 years old coming to check out the new Enterprise. Shit, Ben, by the way, this series was animated by Titmouse. I thought so. This this very this seemed like a Titmouse animation. Uh, I'm glad they're fucking finished with this so they could get to work on critical on Legend of Vox Machina because they're delayed. It was supposed to be out already just so everyone can be sad for a minute. I guess I have another little tidbit of design here. Um, Star Trek Generations. Oh, the, the uniform used in this show was originally the one of the concept 
designs for Star Trek Generations, which was the first TNG movie in 94. So kind of just moving along with that. I think that's cool. Is it normal for in Star Trek for there to be like different uniforms on different ships? I thought the uniforms were representative of the of the era that Starfleet was in. Yes, but I think what they're kind of been showing is that the uniforms don't get to all the ships at the same time. Got it. That's why when uh, the Titan showed up, they were wearing the old uniforms. Got it. Um, this also happens in Discovery, where they're like wearing the blue uniforms of Starfleet and Discovery, and then Captain Pike shows up with the Enterprise, and they're all wearing the colored uniforms from the original series. And they're like, yeah, well, at least we got the new uniforms. And then like he changes out of it to a blue uniform because he's on a ship that doesn't have the new uniforms or whatever. I don't know. Interesting. It's all BS in the end. Sure. Um, but I do like that they at least make the effort. Star Trek is really good at fucking up their canon and going, how can we fix this? <laughs> Someone got I. a band-aid. The Klingons have physically changed so many times in the tv series and movies and every after a while they're like what if they look different because of this and yeah it's a thing i think one of the really cool things to talk about in this episode though was kind of the thesis of that finale which uh is so for for the listeners that may not have watched the show uh the episode revolves around um a group of aliens called the what again? Oh God, um, the Packlid. Yes, the Packlids. The Packlids. And, and apparently, they're what are the Packlids from, Colin? I don't even remember to be honest. <laughs> they're a joke. They're like a joke alien race, alien species that uh, has kind of been dismissed by Starfleet. But in the time since they've been dismissed, they've discovered new science that allows them to modify their ship with the parts of other ships. Uh, so they have very powerful technology at this point, kind of combining a bunch of different species tech together. And the the ending thesis of it all is like, yeah, like Starfleet comes, it conquers, and then it leaves, and we leave these races, these these species alone to just do whatever and no one is ever checking on them again of course we can't expect someone to keep doing the right thing the episode opens up with that one with the old west town right which episode the the finale yes yes it does yes it opens the up old the west, west town? town sorry sorry i was Thank just looking you at for... okay <laughs> The episode opens up with that old West Town from I was it Next Generation I believe, because I remember I remember there being an old West Town before in oh in they, prior yeah Star they, Trek. they've done it in multiple uh, I believe they're referencing uh, TN or the original series though oh, okay and uh, and it turns out they've gone back to worshiping this AI oh yeah no it was because they it's mentioned a, that that Kirk right, destroyed it yeah that, yeah Ransom calls it. Uh, TOS and she goes oh TOS he goes yeah those old scientists <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's kind of like the they started out with that and then sure enough the Packlids come around and they've they've advanced their technology to become a threat now 
and I like that. I liked it's the the point. It seems like this is going to kind of be a point that the series is going to ride into the second season, because then Freeman not really promotes Mariner, but implies that there's going to be things that Mariner can, is she's going to kind of allow yeah. Mariner to do more off the books now mm-hmm. in an effort to kind of keep things a bit more under control. And I think that's an interesting direction for the series and a good way to kind of revisit old storylines from Pat from prior Star Trek series uh, to to kind of say, OK, what would have happened after the Enterprise left this time? What would have happened after the Enterprise left here and just yeah. kind of show like there's, you know. Maybe once again, you know, we talk. I talked about in Picard about how I really liked the poking at the fault of Utopia in Picard, and how it's kind of doing it again here. This seems to be kind of a trend going on uh, throughout this new generation of Star Trek. Yeah, Bill, are you gonna say something? Oh no! I just thought it was funny. So Packlids came in on uh, on Next Generation, and it was funny because I found this one. Uh, let's see here. Because their own technology was significantly less advanced than that of any other spacefaring races, a fact that Data found to be a genuine curiosity. How they ever mastered the rudiments of space travel? The Packlids constantly looking for things, things that made them go. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really funny. Data was just like, I don't know how these guys got to space. <laughs> I don't know, but they just started hijacking people's shit, and then they took you know, even in the episode, they were just like, this is from 30 different species this is just slapped together. Right, so so <laughs> we laugh at that, but isn't that the concept of the Borg? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the Borg is... They just acquire technology and to make themselves better. Well, they this acquire like, species This is just an to earlier version of their... the Borg That's what the Absolutely yeah, but they don't. I I think the joke is that they also don't really know what they're doing either. They're just kind of doing it because they know it works. They're not like the packlet aren't like this isn't a master plan. This is something they I think they they've stumbled onto, and are just seeing success with it. So they're just keep doing it. I feel like that defines the average human being, though. <laughs> well, I was gonna say it's like it's like a guy. I don't know. It's like a guy who sees this suave guy driving a Ferrari, and he's like, "Oh, I just need to buy a Ferrari." <laughs> yeah, and like it, that'll solve my problems. He he's and they don't even know. It's like uh, he sees he sees a nice car and automatically assumes it's a Ferrari. That's what it is. <laughs> And then he builds it out of 30 different nice car parts. Now there are two Enterprises! (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. Oh god, that is so funny. that They called every single spaceship the Enterprise. Oh shit, that was good. This is a good episode. <laughs> that last episode was so good. That was it good. Felt like, it felt like a Star Wars film. It really did. It it really was like Trek. an entire Star Wars film. So, uh, sorry, Star Trek film. <laughs> shit, sorry. Hey, uh, hey Ben, can you put air horns in here? Um, but no, I don't edit this. <laughs> who's editing this? Andrew. Ugh. All right, Miller. Cut this whole thing out and add air horns. Thank you. So, you know, when it felt like an entire Star Trek 
Star Trek film and compressed into 30 minutes. Yeah. And it was just like it had like an entire arc in itself. And it was just so freaking good to have like this sort of just little nugget of a Star Star Trek film. Definitely. I, I agree with you entirely. It had stakes. It had stakes that the other episodes didn't have. And, and, and that's what a finale should be. You know, the show could be, you know, the sh- it, sh- it goes to show it's not just a comedy show. Like I, you're still laughing along throughout the entire finale, but also like I was I was concerned for the characters throughout it, and you know it's uh and 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 there's a legitimate loss at the end of the of the finale, which is devastating, uh with Lieutenant Shax, uh, Shax. Shax. Yeah. Fred is lost. He he gets blown up in the ship, sacrificing himself. To ensure that Rutherford makes it home safe, I loved and that. It I was, was legit. So good. This is this is a man who is every episode wanted to target the enemy's warp core so they could blow them up. <laughs> and at the end of the day, he got to blow up in a blaze of glory, saving his crew. And I think that's beautiful. I loved that he was just like laughing and beating the crap out of somebody as the warp core was blowing up and he knew it was happening. It was beautiful. So freaking good. It was so I I hate I hate to say it was so freaking I don't know. Norse of him. It was just it was just such, yeah. he was such a cool character. He was just such a cool character. And you know, the thing about this episode is that you could take a Star Trek fan, any sort of Star Trek fan, show him this episode in a vacuum and he would love it. Or he I think or she so. would love it, or they would love it. I think so. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, a lot of reviewers gave this show a bad review because they said it's in between wanting to be a love letter to Star Trek and just a funny, dumb adult comedy. It's mm-hmm. in between that, and because of that, it's failing at both, which I think is bullshit. I think it's doing both very well. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, to go back to uh, Shaq's dying, um, do you think it's because they actually just want to bring in a different character? Or they literally just thought that would be a good scene? But I, I think they wanted to show that they were more than just a silly comedy. They And to do that, they had to raise the stakes. And, you know, it's not like a super serious dramatic death like bill says he's still laughing on his way out as he's beating up guys and badgie is holding in an explosion like it's still very silly but at the same time it it has heart and i, I was like i was like oh no like i was actually upset when it happened and because they they that was proof they were like look we're funny but we've sold you on these characters at this point these aren't just this isn't just a comedy this is a ship that's part of the canon, and they you, you need to accept it. Especially because, from what I've read, a lot of Trekkies haven't accepted this show. So, No, they don't like it. They just want their what they perceived as a military drama. And completely missed the, uh, <laughs> the idea of what Star Trek is. <laughs> and, like, don't get me wrong, if they, if, if they were given, like, a big... If if someone gave them the Orville and was like, "This is Star Trek," I get in that case, I get how they could be pissed because the Orville is 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 unsure of itself sometimes. But this is very clearly a half hour comedy, 
accept it for what it is. Enjoy it. And maybe learn a little bit something new along the way, like like I did. Like I expected it to be more parody than anything else, but like I said, it, it it's it cements itself as a serious part of the canon, and has something interesting to say and add to the conversation around Star Trek, which is you know we can't just we can't just interfere, save the day, and leave. We need to ensure that there are systems in place in order to continue the upkeep of a civilization. And not just march into uh, a country, take their oil, kill their people, and then leave. Sorry, oh, what? that'd be disgusting. I um, <laughs> who said that? <laughs> Who's out I love, there? I love uh, you were you were talking about that. I remember the uh, when they went in down to that planet. Uh, on freaking sorry, when Mariner goes down to the planet where the um, they're the rat people are eating the lizard people. <laughs> Yes. I love that scene so freaking much because I love it because Freeman walks in and she's just like, can we just give you guys freaking food replicators and you'll be fine? And he's like, does it make food pellets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. And that's great. And I, was that in... No, what episode was that? Ah, shit. I, I think that know. was Crisis Point. I, I think yeah, it I, was. Yeah. That, was, that was probably... That was the Chris. start of her, their fight, her and her mom. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just if we give you food replicators, will you stop eating these guys? Even the task of the ship itself, second contact, the idea of it, like that's what they should be about is like making sure everyone is OK long after the Enterprise has rolled in, you know, not just the Enterprise, but it's easy to say one long after Starfleet has rolled into town, blown shit up, killed a leader and then left. Like they need to come in and be like, "Hey, what's going on right now? Are everyone good? Do we have democracy? Are we are we establishing social health care?" You know? No, no. It's my favorite. It's even in the last episode they pointed out where the Enterprise like stopped people from worshiping a computer and leave, and then they come and they just back started again. And the people are still fucking worshiping the computer, <laughs> and they're just doing it again. And that's like right. that's so realistic. mm Hmm. It's like it's an answer to an unrealistic concept within Star Trek, which is there are not many. You know, Star Trek, like like we've talked about before, is one of the most rooted in science science fiction shows there is. But well, like, it's it a it's a very be. good. Hmm. It's a, it tries to be. A lot it of tries times to they be. literally just make shit up. Sure, sure, sure. But it's fine. But they they do their best, and they they do a, they do a very good job at it, and um, it's an important answer to a question that's gone unanswered for a very long time i think yeah i just just love every single joke in this show i just love (laughs) it all so much i mean it was just like i think i think that we should still have our our red hour purge and it's like like, why i just bought this scythe (laughs) (laughs) no the the jokes come so quickly that like it's if so you're not good. paying attention, you're going to miss. Several. It's so good, yeah. We talk, we talk all about Mariner because she's she's the meat of the show. She's the the lead character, of course. Boimler is is fine, but there's really not much to him. He's the the straight man. Uh, I'm hope hope we get more to him later on in in the second season. Now that he seems to be striking out on his own. But uh, I really, really, really liked uh, Tendi and Rutherford. I, every time 
I, I think their B plots were always really wonderful, especially. Excuse me. Especially the episode of uh, where Tendi is making a normal dog for her project. Um, they 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 don't get the development they they really need to be full characters yet, but they have the funniest plot lines throughout any episode, <laughs> and the, the normal dog is one of my favorite gags in sci-fi at this point because I was crying throughout the entire episode. The, the dog just turns into a cube as it, it's walking by and it turns into a cube and the cube just starts rolling away. Incredible comedy. Perfect. Like, if, if we gave comedy awards, it should win all of them. And then... <laughs> and then it, it's... It, I remember the episode now. It The episode was Much Ado About Boimler, which is episode uh, seven. Um... And then they go to the farm, which is this place for freaks. And it turns out Tendi knew how crazy this dog was. She didn't understand that dogs are, that a normal dog does not behave like this. And she just programmed what she thought was a normal dog. And he just talks and is on hind legs. <laughs> and it's floating away. And Tendi realizes now, and she goes, Hey! I just found out you are a freak. And she goes, I, and the dog goes, I know. I just didn't want you to worry. <laughs> Brilliant. Which is a very so dog good. thing. I just love good dogs. What can I say? That was, uh, that wasn't my favorite episode though. The ending, the last episode was my favorite, but I also wanted to give honorable mention as well to terminal provocations, which features, uh, my hopefully ho hopefully recurring character in the future seasons, uh, Badgie, uh, where Rutherford gets the most development that he gets throughout the entire series when he receives an unexpected son in the form of Badgie, who is he, who he is forced to murder on the mountaintop in a climactic final battle. I have I no want... doubt that Badgie will be back in season two. There's no way you can go without Badgie being in season two. In fact, oh man, think of the exploration of Badgie realizing that his father has no idea who he is because he has no fucking memory. It'd be great. Oh man, he wants to kill him, but it's it feels empty because he doesn't remember him. So he helps nurse him back to health and then learns to love his father. And he has to sacrifice himself to for his father. Boom, there we go. Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Calling it now. That's how the that's how that plot goes. Call us CBS. We'll happily write it. <laughs> we have no um, issue with it. Oh man! But uh, if you steal that episode synopsis, just know our lawyers will be in touch. We're coming after your ass. <laughs> I know you got the money to settle. You won't take it to court. I'm like the lawyer. I'm like the Lars Ulrich of this group. I'm just coming in, and being like, "Yeah, yeah, we're gonna sue you." what he hey, did man. everyone's got a good uh, sense of business all right <laughs> well uh, unless anyone has anything else they want to add i think yeah for the most part that covers lower decks other funny quotes <laughs> no i got another ben yeah. is this good sci-fi or bad sci-fi it's good sci-fi it's funny uh never takes itself too seriously but it still manages to prove itself 
to questioning to a questioning fan base that is uh, notoriously unforgiving when it comes to new things. Uh, I think it does. Whether they think it does or not is is not my place to say. But I think that if you are a Trekkie out there and are debating on giving this a shot, you should try it. Try it. And if you're not a Trekkie out there and maybe just want a funny new show to laugh at, uh, check it out. It's heartwarming. It brings up some wonderful questions about responsibility in Starfleet, which I enjoy because I've talked about uh, challenging Utopia many times. And uh, I I think I can't wait for season two. I, I in fact this watching this has made me really want to go back and really start digging through all of Star Trek like I've been saying I would do for the past ten years. So maybe now we are finally gonna get started with Star Trek the original series. I'm sorry, Star Trek those old scientists. Good side. <laughs> all right, thank you, Ben. Bill. Uh, I agree with what Ben said. I think it like I think it's I I like it a lot. I like I liked this show a lot, and it kind of it delves deep into it. It's more of less of like human nature and more of like I don't know human relationships with each other. It's it's I don't know how to describe it. It's funny. It's hilarious. I love the show. I think it's hilarious. I think it's good in a very nerdy way, but still funny and cool i don't know how to describe that but i describe it as good sci-fi because it has all the sci-fi elements it's obviously star trek and um and it also uh makes you think every now and then so i like it all right thank you bill um i will also say that this is good sci-fi this is 100 star trek um they're just they're telling the same stories that star trek would except they're just doing it with a lot a lot more tongue-in-cheek which is fine i think it's refreshing i enjoy it um so i will 100 percent give this a good sci-fi and i recommend it to anyone who has not seen it yet uh, I'm, i cannot wait for the second season i'm looking forward to it almost as much as i am for uh the new uh what do you call discovery it? no the the new show that got announced oh uh on stranger tides no fuck no. um strange new worlds Stranging Worlds. Yeah. No, I don't know. Anyways. It is. It's Stranging Worlds. Okay, yes. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for you tonight. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to tell you what we're doing next week. Uh, but as always, it's likely to change. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we're good. I think it's... Uh, it's oh, I Am Mother. Yeah. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Uh-huh. So. Or a little... A little pre-spook before our big Halloween spook. So if you're listening to this, watch that damn movie before we talk about it so you can enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, since we're... That's actually a good point. We should tell everyone what we're doing for next week so that people know could watch something to keep up with us. Uh, Just so you guys know, in two weeks we are uh, covering Raised by Wolves on HBO Max. If that's... uh, if that's something you're interested in listening to along, uh, go ahead and watch. So get started on that. Same goes for you boys. Get started on that. Yeah, yeah I could always use a little <laughs> bit of Travis Fimmel in my life. So, mm-hmm. Oh, you so can watch I Am Mother on Netflix. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so watch. It was a Netflix film. So you got to watch. You got you got a couple hours to watch this on Netflix. Enjoy. There you go. All right. All right. Until next time. <laughs>